I was saying that I read this book in 1993 when I was 19 years old at the University of Chicago. And I was one of the first people actually in America to get this book. Um, this book was actually printed in very limited edition in England, but then it was reprinted in Singapore. And I got it from somebody who actually was visiting from Singapore. Author of this book, his name is Imam al-Haddad, he died in 1720 AD, which means you can say he died about 300 years ago. He was a great alim of deen, mufassir of Qur'an, muhaddith, shafi, faqih, who lived in a valley of Yemen on his Hadramaut in the city of Tarim. And his students span Arabs across the Arabian Peninsula, black Africans from East Africa, and many, many Malaysians and Indonesians from Southeast Asia. This book that he wrote is actually known as Risalat al-Mu'awana in Arabic. Risala oftentimes is a letter that a sheikh or a teacher or ustad writes to his student in response to some questions posed by the student. So this is exactly the nature of this work. And he wrote this book as a manual. Manual means as a guideline, as a guidebook for people who in Arabic they're known as salikin, the people who want to journey on a path to bring themselves closer to Allah subhanahu wa So many times I have a question that what do I need to know, what do I need to do? There must be some knowledge, some practice, some feelings. So basically in very, very short chapters he picks many different topics about deen. And within two or three pages, and inshallah you will see that. Uh, I don't know if you have been given the text or you will follow the text on the screen. Those of you who are interested in the text, purchasing or obtaining the text, you can consult the team afterwards. Today I will just do a reading out for you. So he begins, his first chapter is on yaqeen. Now the selection of choosing to begin with yaqeen itself is important. Number one, he begins with yaqeen because any reason why a person wants to become close to Allah subhanahu is because they want to have yaqeen in their deen. They want to have yaqeen on Allah subhanahu And it's so telling because in this day and age, many people lack this very yaqeen. We lack yaqeen on Allah subhanahu on Quran al-Kareem, on Nabi al-Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Because if we truly had yaqeen in something, you would practice it and you would live by it. You will find other people in the world whether it's their own philosophy or ideology or even laws, when they have yaqeen in it, when they're certain, or you find in a corporation or a company, when they're certain that they've designed the right product or they're certain they've come up with the right management model, then they abide by it, they adhere to it. And interestingly, you might know in English, the term they use for this in English is they adhere to it religiously. What do they mean by that? They mean they adhere to it strictly, completely, diligently. So they say in English, oh, he's adhering to the company's principles religiously. Because actually that's the nature of religion and being. That person has so much yaqeen in it. They strictly adhere and follow it. So if we don't follow Allah Ta'ala's commandments in Quran, if we don't stay away from that which he wishes us to stay away from, if our lifestyle is different from the lifestyle of Sayyidina Rasulullah Sallallahu and we give ourselves this excuse that no, it's just because I'm lazy or I'm busy, that might actually be this, it's because I truly don't have yaqeen. And that's another reason why he begins with this, because in order to really begin on this path, you have to acknowledge and accept that. That it's not just that I don't know or I don't practice, Actually, the problem is deeper. The problem goes all the way to my root iman. And I don't actually have yaqeen in my iman yet. And when a person realizes that, that I actually don't have yaqeen in my iman, then they're shaken up. Then they really learn. And they learn with a niyyah and an intention and a vision to change. They learn with a niyyah to practice when they realize that I'm actually lacking and lapsing in my very yaqeen itself. Right? And these words Allah SWT has used in Quran, Alladina yu'minun, those are the people who have iman, who have faith, who have belief. And there's another thing, Alladina yuqinun, yuqinun is from yaqeen, the people who have yaqeen, who have absolute certainty, who have attained a level of certainty and conviction. 
the ulama of tafsir agree that because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala al-hakimin is the most wise of the wise ones, every single word matters in Quran. Every change in word matters in Quran. So normally in English, many translations will just translate yu'minu, yu'minu, the same belief, belief. And say, no, there's a world of a difference between iman and yakin. There's a world of a difference between iman and yakin. One way the Arabic tradition tried to explain this was by using, again taken from Quran, some phrases. Ainul yakin, ilmul yakin, and haqqul yakin. Ilmul yakin, ainul yakin, and haqqul yakin. So the first daraja or level is known as ilmul yakin, to know something with certainty. But the ilm here is unseen. That you know something with certainty, but it's not seen, it's not rationally proven, it's not demonstrated. But you know it, like for example, let's say I've never been to Tokyo, but I'm certain Tokyo exists. Why? Do I have anal yakin about Tokyo? No. I have ilmul yakin about Tokyo. I know it exists, but I've never perceived it in any way. Anal yakin, obviously, as you can tell, is based on mushahada, perception and witnessing. And haqqul yakin is based on experience. So the example we normally give for Pakistanis who like to drink tea is if you visit somebody and he says that I will, oh, let me just bring you tea. Now you have ilmul yakin, you have knowledge that tea is coming. As long as you don't think that the person ran out and deserted you. But if you see him going into the kitchen and he's a friend of yours and says I'm going to bring you tea, now you know it's coming. When he brings the tea and you see the tea on the tray and you see the steam rising for it, you have anal yakin. And then when you drink the tea, you have hakal yakin. You actually have now experienced. So a lot of this path, which in Quran is called tazkiyah, and in Hadith, Nabi Kareem, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, called it Ihsan. Ihsan means to worship Allah subhanahu as if you see Him in such a state with such a feeling. Or if you can't achieve that state or feeling, you know that He is gazing upon you. That's Hakul Yaqeen. That's Hakul Yaqeen. To experience every moment of life. To live every moment of life knowing that Allah subhanahu wa is watching you and aware of you that He is. Al-Aleem, Al-Basir, Al-Khabir, all-knowing, all-seeing, and all-aware. But it begins with ilmul yakin, at least to have the certain knowledge about wahi, about Qur'an and Sunnah. So it begins with the knowledge, and then you move to perception, and then third level is experience. Knowledge, then perception, then experience. So it begins here, you must, beloved brother, and this is one of the traits of Imam al-Hadal, that he would call his students brethren. And this is because of a Quranic teaching that Allah that indeed all of the believers are brethren, are fellows, are associates to one another. And that's very different from what many people sometimes in South Asia think Islam is about, okay, there's somebody who's way, way above me. Some Allah Sarkar. Huh? And me, I'm, you know, nothing. So that's not how our true mashayikh work. They would address their students as, Oh my fellow, oh my friend, oh my brother, oh my son, my sati. Alright? So this is how Imam al-Hadad begins. That you must, beloved brother, strengthen and improve your certainty. You must strengthen and improve your certainty. It begins with yakin, Because until you have yakin, I can teach you many things. I can quote many verses at you. I can cite many hadith at you, but it's not going to change you. It's not going to move you. It's not going to transform you until you have yaqeen. For when yaqeen prevails in the spiritual heart of a believer and establishes itself inside the heart of the believer, then the unseen becomes as if seen. So what does it mean? It's not saying some esoteric thing that you'll be able to see behind the wall. That's not what kash means. Unseen becomes means seen means Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who is unseen. Jannah is unseen. Qiyama is unseen. Malaika, angels are unseen. You will believe with them with so much certainty as if they are seen. This is why in our deen when a person accepts Islam it's called shahada. Shahada means what? Shahada, one meaning of that is to bear witness. Shahada also means mushahada to actually see. So shahada in deen means to bear witness to the oneness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala 
with so much yakin as if you can perceive and see that he is one. To bear witness, to take iman and shahada, to bear witness in the nabuwa of Sayyidina Rasulullah as if you see him, as if you saw him, as if you lived with him. To have as much yakin that he is a Nabi وسلم, as the Sahaba Ikram had. That's called Shahada, that's the beginning of our deen. To have such a level of certainty. So this is what it means that the unseen becomes seen. For example, there was a Sahabi, radiallahu ta'ala anhu, who said that even were Jannah to be made visible in front of me, it would increase me in my amal. Because I already have yakin in it. I'm already doing amal knowing that Jannah exists. And if Jahannam was to be made visible and present in front of me, it wouldn't increase me in my fear of Allah Sponsor because I already have Yaqeen that Jahannam exists. So I've reached Yaqeen without seeing it. So the unseen becomes as if seen and the person becomes aided by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And he quotes the saying of Sayyidina Ali radiallahu which I was mentioning to you earlier in a different way. That Sayyidina Ali said that were the cover to be removed, I would not increase in certainty. Now what does he mean by cover? Some would find that it is veil. Like I said, it can be the veil on Jannah, the veil on Jahannam, the veil on Allah SWT, the veil on angels, the veil on anything. So it would not increase me in certainty. I've already reached it. Now the interesting, how did they capture this? Is because Hakul Yaqeen is ahead of Enul Yaqeen. For example, the blind person when he drinks the tea, he says, even if you give me eyesight, it wouldn't increase my yakin that I'm drinking tea. Why? Because I'm experiencing it. I'm tasting it. In Arabic, that's called zok. Zok, I'm tasting it. And not, and many blind people might say something like that. That even were I able to see, it wouldn't increase my certainty that this beverage I'm drinking is tea because I'm drinking it. So when a person has hakkul yakin, so sahaba kram, radiallahu ta'ala an mujmain, they were at that level of yakin. And you think about it, actually that's this particular feature of the companions of any Prophet, because the Prophet, any Nabi alayhi salam, is saying that I've heard revelation, I've heard Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I have met Angel Jibreel, I have gone in Miraj, I have seen Jannah, I've gone past Kursi, past Arsh, I've entered the presence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But no Sahabi has ever done any of those things. No Sahabi has seen Jannah, seen Allah ta'ala, seen Kursi, seen Arsh, none of that. Right? But what do they have? So their iman in Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. This is why Nabuwa is so critical. Anbiya, they get that yaqeen directly from Allah subhanahu wa We get it due to our yaqeen in our Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And that's how the Sahaba Karam got it. That's why when Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq was questioned, when Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam came back from Islam Miraj, so Abu Lahab and Abu Dhar said, see you, your friend is claiming that he went from in one night he went from, they can't even understand the next journey, because they're material people. So they said that he went from Makkah Mukarramah to Beitul Muqaddas and back. So Sayyidina Bakr said, if he says it, it happened. I have yaqeen. Hakkul yaqeen, as if I was, I have as much yaqeen as if I had accompanied him on that journey myself. Allah Akbar Kabira. That's why you need a Nabi. Insan could not attain that level of yaqeen in Allah SWT if it wasn't for the Anbiya Ajma'in. And that's why in human history, human beings may have discovered many things without prophets. There may be humans who have been atheists from birth to death, they may have discovered justice, they may have discovered goodness, they may have discovered happiness, but there's no way they can discover Yaqeen in Allah unless they believe in some Nabi. There's never been any human being in history who says, I've come on my own to the concept of the oneness of Allah that level of yaqeen can only take place through the Anbiya Mursalim. So here the Imam al-Hadad continues that yaqeen is a power, is a kuwa. This is the term here, is a kuwa. He would say in Urdu, yaqeen is taqat hai. Yaqeen is a kuwa. It's a power and a strength. And that's what happens to some people. We say we're weak in our imam. Right? But what's missing? The power of yaqeen is missing from our heart. It's a power, it's a firmness, and istikama, stability of iman. So great that it becomes like a towering mountain, which no doubts can shake and no illusions can shatter. No doubts can shake, no illusions can shatter. So it means yaqeen means no shak, no shuba, no gurur, no deception, no delusion, no doubts, no questioning. 
that's really what Iman is, and that's what it means to be a moment, to have that level of yakin. And he says, rather, doubts and illusions disappear completely. And when they come from outside, they are neither listened to by the ear, nor heeded by the heart. But does it mean that you may enter yakin, but your ear-geared people around you might not have yakin? Your colleagues, classmates might not have yakin. Your professor, students might not have yakin. Your society might not have yakin. So you will still hear the doubts and illusions and delusions from others. But because you have yakin, you're a fortress, your ear will pay no heed, and more importantly, your heart will pay no heed. Allahu Akbar Kabira. I mean, right there, he's got us on the first paragraph. This is exactly what we need. He says, this is the beginning, this is it, this is asl, this is our end. And that's the beauty of yakin, because the beginning is the niyyah and quest and journey for yakin, and the end is also to try to get yakin. It's all about yakin. Then he says, shaitan cannot approach the person who has such yakin. Nay, shaitan flees from such a person, fears his very shadow, and shaitan keeps a distance from them. Then he cites the Sahih of Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the shaitan is afraid of the shadow of Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu. And never does Sayyidina Umar radiallahu ta'ala take a path except that shaitan flees and opts for another path. Allahu Akbar. Now Sayyidina Umar radiallahu is not a Nabi, he's a Sahabi. Right? Now, question arises that maybe this yakin is khas with Sahaba. No khair sahabi can get it. That would be if the yakin is due to their being sahaba. Right? There's another possibility though, that the yakin is due to his taqwa, due to his khawf of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, due to his love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, due to his a'mal. And in that sense, that yakin is accessible to everyone. Even those who take the first position, that this level of yakin, that shaitan is not going to flee from anybody else. Me and you can never make ourselves like that have so much yakin. Fine, we may not obviously ever be able to make ourselves like Sayyidina Umar, but his mithl, his shabih, to have some likeness, so it reflects a spectrum. It's like colors. So once you identify what true blue is, at least you know you need this blueness of yakin in you. You may not be able to get the same intensity of the blueness of yakin, yani of Sayyidina Umar, but you can approximate that. At least you realize that such a thing is there. It also shows you the azmat of Sahaba Ikram, radiallahu ta'ala anwajma'in. And just like you can't get yakin without Nabiya Kareem sallallahu you cannot really understand and plot and map your path on yakin without looking at the role models of Sahaba Ikram, radiallahu ta'ala anhum ajma'in. And Sayyidina Muratami, he had a path in his life that he followed to get this yakin. He left behind a legacy for others to attain this yakin. Then, Imam al-Haddad, because I get to these chapters, just two, three, this is two and a half pages. He just spends two to three pages in every topic. Immediately he goes into the practical side, which is what? How to get this yakin. So he says, says that yakin derives its kuwa and husn. Yakin certainty derives its power and its beauty. Husn means its beauty, virtue, nobility, excellence from many things. From many things. The first of them, the first of them, the translation is excellent, I just keep the Arabic in front of me, but this is actually one of the absolute very best translations of any text in Arabic I've ever come across in 20 years of my life. The translator's name was Mustafa Badawi, Allah if he's alive or not. May Allah Ta'ala preserve him, if he's alive, may Allah Ta'ala forgive him and raise his ranks, he just passed away. It's the most excellent, brilliant translation I've ever seen in my life of an Arabic text. He was an Arab uh, doctor who was raised in England and lived there for many years. But still, uh, because he also has not left, uh, he translated all the ayat and hadith also entirely into English. So sometimes we like to run the Arabic along with it. Uh, all right. So we were telling you that there are several ways to bring about the kuwa and husn in yakin. The first of them, 
And he says the first most essential and pivotal of these, and the word for pivotal is madar. Pivotal means around which yakin will constantly float and rotate and depend. The first of these is that the abd, the servant and slave of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, should listen attentively with his heart as well as his ears to the ayat of Qur'an, the verses of Qur'an al-Kareem, and the ahadith, the hadiths of the Prophet that relate to Allah subhanahu The ayat and akhbar that are about Allah subhanahu wa and Allah ta'ala's wonders and perfections, wa azmatuhu and Allah ta'ala's majesty and might, wa kibriya'uhu and Allah ta'ala's splendor and greatness. So one must know the kamal of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the azmat of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the kibriya'i of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's uniqueness from all of his, his uniqueness and his ability to create and decide to rule and compel. No more, reflect more on these verses and hadith about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's really, this is one of the core problems that we have. Remember I said the first level is ilm, ilm of yakin. We don't really even know all the incredible things Allah Ta'ala has said about his own self in Quran al We don't even know all the things that Nabi Kareem has told us about Allah Subhanahu Ta'ala. We don't know all the Asma al-Husna, the beautiful names of Allah Subhanahu Ta'ala. We don't know Allah Ta'ala as he has revealed himself to be. We don't know Allah Ta'ala as he wishes himself to be known. So without ilm of yakin, there's no hope to ever getting any of the other levels and aspects of yakin. Well, this is the first thing. Then the second thing that he mentioned when he said that his uniqueness in creating and deciding, it means that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in his essence, zat, in his attributes, sifat, and his af'al, in his acts, is wondrous in each of these three aspects. Each of these three aspects. The incredible way that Allah ta'ala creates, the incredible way that Allah ta'ala plans, the incredible way that Allah ta'ala forgives and sends mercy on people. The incredible way that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sends hidayah and guides people. The more you know these things, the more you will have yaqeen in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. As an example, even just a contemporary way to learn some of these things. Obviously, Imam al-Hadad was saying, learn from the Quran and Sunnah directly. But as an example, if you sometimes hear stories that converts sometimes tell about how they were guided to Islam, you'll be amazed. You say, Allah ta'ala truly is al-Hadi. Say, I always believed that Allah was al-Hadi. But after listening to this person's story, how they were guided to Iman, I have this bursting yaqeen in my heart that only my Allah Ta'ala could have guided such a person like that. You meet a person who was a sinner who repented and changed his life and changes his ways. Obviously, we all knew that Allah Ta'ala al and al-Rahman and al-Rahim and al-Tawab. But when you hear that person tell a story, and one beautiful collection of this, Ibn Qudama al-Maqdisi al-Hanbari, he actually wrote a book on this called Kitab al-Tawabin. The book documenting the stories of the people who made tawbah in the hist- early history of this ummah. And you get amazed, you say, only Allah SWT could have changed this person's heart. Only Allah could have guided such a person. Hmm? So, in addition to the Quran and Sunnah, you also can learn from human history how Allah Ta'ala, his af'al part and his sifat and af'al part, his attributes and his actions part, how much Allah Ta'ala has played a role. This is our delusion. We think Allah Ta'ala is an absent God. Allah Ta'ala has played an incredible role in the lives of people. He's playing an incredible role in our life. He can play even more incredible role in our life. But we have to become aware of it. We have to become attuned to it. Second, he mentions. Well, he's mentioning this along. It's one sort of... That's one thing in Arabic. Arabic is full of run-on sentences. So the translator always has to try to put uh, English punctuation. Uh, but classical Arabic writing just goes on. So I don't know what number you would call this, but the next thing he mentions in this long sentence is likewise, so another thing that a person needs to do to get yaqeen is to the truthfulness and perfection of the anbiya and mursaleen, the truthfulness, the sidq and kamal, the truthfulness and perfection of all of the prophets and the messengers, alayhi salam ajma'in. Alright? So that's why. You know, our problem is, is that we only ever even talk about the other anbiya just at the child story level. And no doubt, that's a great thing for children to teach them the stories of the prophets. But then there's an adult way to learn from their lessons. 
Allah Ta'ala has put the stories of these Anbiya in Quran. Nabi Kareem Sallallahu told us about these Anbiya and their lives and how Allah Ta'ala guided them, how Allah tested their communities, how many of the communities failed, how they ended up misguided. We don't know those things. We don't know those things. So that's another great aspect of ilm, to know not just about Nabi Kareem Sallallahu Alaihi but whatever Allah Ta'ala and our beloved Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi told us about earlier Prophets and Messengers. Then the miracles they were aided with, the karamat and mu'jizat of the Anbiya. You may just know a handful that, okay, Nabi Sallallahu cured the blind, healed the leper, brought the dead to life, Nabi Sallallahu split the moon. There's more. Musa Sallallahu part of the Dead Sea. But what does that mean to you? Are those just stories? Or is there something in there for you to get more yaqeen about Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala? Is there some hidayah in those stories for us? Is there some hidayah in those miracles for us? And then, Imam al-Haddad mentions, and then the sundry chastisements, which means the punishments, the varied and various punishments, which befell those who opposed the prophets and messengers. And the reason why Allah detailed that in Quran is so that me and you get scared. Okay, this is what happened to people who opposed the path of Musa salam, who twisted and distorted the true aqeed of tawheed of Nabi Isa then what's going to happen to me if I twist and distort deen to suit my pleasures and fancies? What's going to happen to me if my very life and lifestyle is lived in opposition to the sunnah of Nabi Kareem sallallahu What will happen to me? And that's why those lessons and stories are there. And there's another aspect of yaqeen. To have yaqeen in Allah Ta'ala taking hisab of a person. To have yaqeen in Allah Ta'ala do intiqam. That he is the one who can come with a vengeance and avenge those who disobey and betray his laws and commands. And many times because a person lacks this yaqeen, they indulge in sin. It's not that they have yaqeen, Allah Ta'ala exists, yes. They 100% believe with certainty this is a sin. But they don't have yaqeen in Allah Ta'ala's wrath and anger and punishment. If they had yaqeen in that, it's probably impossible to sin. It's impossible to sin. Like again you see in this world, when you have yaqeen that the criminal law code will apply to you, you don't do a crime. Because you have yaqeen, you'll get caught and you'll be punished. And being caught and punished will be of humiliation and of imprisonment and other things. So when you have yaqeen and that, you stay away. You become a quote-unquote law-abiding citizen. And when you live in a society where it may be, you know, less rule of law and you can get away with crimes, people will do it. People will do it. You know, that's why in those countries in the world where there's such a yaqeen in the law, they don't even, you know, you just get on the train. There's nobody there. It's up to you and your honor that you buy the ticket yourself. Hmm? Because there's a yaqeen over there. There's a yaqeen in the enforcement capacity of the state. Right? So that's supposed to be... That yaqeen is actually borrowed from the Sharia code. That yaqeen was actually the yaqeen a believer was supposed to have in the ukhrawi, hereafter enforcement of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the accounting and reckoning that a person will face on the day of judgment. This is why it's right there in Surah Al-Fatiha. Maliki Yawmiddin. Allah Ta'ala is the master of the day. I will be judged according to my deen. Then Imam Muhammad Al-Rahman Ta'ala continues that these are sufficient, that these, any these ayatul Qur'aniyan, ahadith al-Nabawiyya are sufficient to bring about yaqeen. Is it self-indicated by Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala in Qur'an? It's self-indicated by Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala in Qur'an. Allah Ta'ala says, Awalami yukfihim anandilna alaykal that it is not sufficient for them. It's not sufficient for them to bring them to Yaqeen. This book that has been revealed to them and that is recited upon them. Hmm? And the Quran itself is a hujjah. Quran itself is absolutely sufficient and decisive and declarative to bring a person towards Yaqeen. All of this was the first sabab, the first means and ways to get Yaqeen. Second, he says, the second way to get this yaqeen is to learn and look and reflect and ponder on the creations and kingdoms of the heavens and the earth and the wondrous and astounding creatures that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made them team with means how Allah ta'ala filled up the heavens, samawat and the earth with his incredible wondrous creations. This is what today you would like to call science, what you would call astronomy or call zoology I'll call rain or microbiology, cellular biology, to reflect on the wonders of the creation of Allah subhanahu wa And the way he explains this 
in Arabic, ajaibul masnu'at, the incredible wonder, what do you say, ajaibul gharib, the incredible, wondrous, astounding, mesmerizing things in the physical, created realms of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then again he says, Allah ta'ala, in sufficient proof for this, Allah ta'ala says this himself in Quran, A'udhu billahi min ash-shaytan min ash-shaytan, sunuriyam ayatina fil afaqi wa fi anfusihim hatta yatabayyina lahum annahu haqq that we will make them see signs of ours in the horizons. Means in the, all of anywhere they look, afaq basically is reflecting to any outward examination. You're looking at horizons, you're looking through a microscope at a cell, you're looking at your social sciences, you're looking at society, economy, polity, you're in humanities, you're looking at the human mind in terms of aesthetics and literature, you're looking at human history. Any angle in which you perceive and you look, that's called afaq. And then in their own selves, because the human itself is the greatest of Allah's physical creations. So when they reflect on the nature of human mind, human thought, human feelings, human behavior, and they reflect on themselves. It's not all the people love to take this exclusively scientifically. That Afaq means astronomy and Anfus means cellular biology. No, there are things more than science and Allah Ta'ala's creation. Your aesthetic self is also part of Allah Ta'ala's creation. Your literary self is part of Allah Ta'ala's creation. These are non-scientific things. It's also part of Allah Ta'ala's creation. So Allah Ta'ala is saying in the Quran that we will make them see these things. We will make them, we will make them able to perceive our signs in the afaq in the anfus. It means you can see and discover and search and seek Allah Ta'ala in yakin and in every single thing. Every outward perception and any every inward introspection. Right? And they will keep reflecting, keep pondering until it becomes bayan. Bayan means it becomes absolutely decisively clear that this Quran is haq. Who can mean Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Allah ta'ala is haq. Who can mean deen? The deen of Islam is haq. Who can mean the risal of Nabiya Kareem sallallahu that it is haq. All of this is absolutely true. Again, haq. Remember to the third thing, haqqul yaqeen. If you know it to be true, that's yaqeen. It's the very standard of truth, the definition of truth. That your belief in Allah Ta'ala, that He truly exists, is more true than anything else. Because all this could be untrue, as far as we know. But Allah Ta'ala is true. Deen is true. Nabi Kareem Sallallahu Nabuat is true. Quran is true. That's the definition of truth. This is the second thing. There's a strange thing in the modern predicament. This is what modernity and secularism has done. It hasn't taken this away. You should reflect. All of science should be there. All humanity, social sciences, aesthetics, it's all there. But take the signs of Allah Ta'ala out. That's what they've done. So it's like a corruption of this ayah. It's all there, knowledge, research, investigation, universities, think tanks, it's all there. Just take out any niyyah that these things will show you signs of Allah Subhanahu Ta'ala. Remove the discovery of Allah Ta'ala from these things. To sanitize all of the afaq and anfus from the divine from Allah Subhanahu Ta'ala. Hinduism didn't do that. Christianity didn't do that. Judaism didn't do that. Secularism, modernity, and atheism just did that. And that's why you'll find people who are, who are well aware of these things, but they don't see the signs of Allah in these things. Third, the third things is that a person should do amal. Ayyamal. That the person has to practice. When you practice deen, you will get yakin in it. Here I'm reminded of something that Imam al-Ghazari wrote in one of his works. That if a person wants to know if Sayyidina Rasulullah truly was a Nabi, he says, okay, all you have to do is practice a life according to a sunnah. And when you live that life, you will see the truth in that life, the purity in that life. The reality, the asliyah, the haqiqah in that life, and you will know that the person who lived that life and bequeathed that life as his legacy, that his nabuwa is true. So the third thing is amal. Amal. And that's a big problem of ours also. We're, we're lacking in all three things. We don't practice deen. 
the more you practice deen, the more you know it's true. The more you beg Allah Ta'ala for forgiveness in the last third of the night, you'll know it's true. It changes people who begged him at that night, at that time. You'll realize it. You'll realize it. The more you go in Makkah, Makarma, Medina, Manawara, Hajj, and Umrah, the more you do a'mal, whether salah, the more you're kind, you'll see the power of kindness. The more you're true, you'll see the power of honesty. The more you're gentle, you'll see the power of gentleness. Until you do that, you'll never know. You won't really know for sure that these things are true. So the third sabab is to do amal, to practice and behave according to what one believes. And then he says, very importantly, he adds what we call a qayd, a qualifier here, that one has to practice this how? Zahiran wa Outwardly and inwardly. Outwardly, your outward form has to be amalandin, and your inward feelings has to also be amalandin. Your inward feeling also to be amalandin. So this is an interesting thing. Now many of us are looking, when I have yakin, I'll do amal. This is a big mistake people make. It's a very common mistake. No, you'll do amal first, then you'll do a'mal, then you'll do more a'mal, then you'll start getting drops of yakin. Then you will do oceans of a'mal, you will get drops of yakin. Then you do even more oceans of a'mal, then you can hope for an ocean of yakin. Like a person thinks that, okay, you know, if Allah Ta'ala changes my halal, my ahwal, then I'll change my hal. But the other is the other way. You change your hal one drop. You change your spiritual state and condition, Allah Ta'ala will give you oceans of good halat. <laughs> oceans of good halat. Alright? Then he cites a verse for this. So all of his three asbabi cited a verse of Quran. Huh? So here, uh, to establish this, well, let me just complete the English for you. Uh, that this brings about certainty. Yaqeen is indicated by Allah Subhanahu wa Taala saying in Quran, And those certainly those who strive and practice in the path of Deen, in the struggle for Deen, then Allah Taala says that surely we will guide them. We will give them hidayah, subul plural of sabil, to many, many, many ways that lead towards us. Many ways that lead towards us. And broadly speaking, then he gave these three things. Just to recap, number one was basically ilmul yaqeen, to know about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as he's revealed himself in Quran and as Nabiya Kareem sallallahu has described him in hadith. To know about Allah Zat, essence, sifat, his attributes of all, how he interrelates with his creation and his acts and his deeds and to know about the prophets and messengers and their lives and their legacies and to know about the community that were punished who went against the will and wish of Allah subhanahu wa and left the path of their prophets and messengers. Second was that a person should reflect on the afaq and anfus and every single aspect of Allah's creation has signs of the creator in it. And third was a person must do amal, must practice and live and have akhlaq and adab inwardly and a'mal outwardly these are the thing, three things that will bring a person to yakin. Then, after mentioning what yakin is, and then mentioning briefly how to get yakin, then he mentions this third thing, which in this classical style of writing uh, is called the thamara. When mu'min thamaratil yakin, what will you get then? What are the fruits of yakin? So, proper certainty results in, among other things, number one. As-sukoon, as-sukoon ila wa'dillah, that you become absolutely content and happy in the promise of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Whatever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes happen, you're happy with that. You become razi with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Number two, you become absolutely confident in Allah ta'ala's guarantees and commands. You get sukoon and you get confidence. Number three is that you turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, turning to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with pure longing, abandoning all things which distract from Him. So this is the way Allah ta'ala described the believers in Quran. That they turn away from all the things that are distractions from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
This is what Nabi Kareem described in Sayyidith and Husni Islam in Mar'i. That from the beauty of a person's deen is that they leave things that don't concern them at all. They leave things that don't concern them at all. So this, is, this happens once you have yaqeen. Because when you realize the haqqaniyah, the truthness and yaqeen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in deen, then the world seems unreal to you. And very much we're stuck in the opposite. We're so much into the real world, you know. And that's why people say even in simple lingo that can't you be more realistic, right? And more practical, can't you be a bit more realistic? So can you take a more realistic approach to life? This is a very another clever way to make a person distant from Allah SWT. Take a more realistic approach. What does it mean? It means that view the world is real and view Allah Ta'ala as that, you know, esoteric being that you believe in. So now I view the world as some esoteric thing and Allah Ta'ala is real. Actually, I'm trying to take a more realistic approach to life. I'm viewing Allah Ta'ala and Akhirah and Deen as real. And these things are basically unreal. They're barely real. And when I compare this reality, the reality of the world, to the reality of Allah Taala, it's insignificant. Like we used to tell you in math, one over infinity equals zero. One over infinity equals zero. So when you say one, you accept your you're having a positive integer. So we accept the reality of the world. But when it compared to infinity, the infinite reality of Allah Taala and Akhirah is nothing. It's nothing. And that's why the really, truly philosophical people enter in this crisis when they lose their faith in Allah SWT because then truly life has no meaning. It's true, life has no meaning without Allah SWT. Life has no meaning without Deen. Then you have to create meanings for yourself. So you create, your nafs creates meaning for you that okay, your life is about the pursuit of pleasures. Your mind creates meanings for you, life is about the pursuit of happiness. The world will create meanings for you, life is about the pursuit of money. You have to come up with other meanings. And you don't have the meaning of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in your life. So turning to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with pure longing, longing, yearning, passion, and abandoning all things which distract from Him, continuously returning to Him in all circumstances, and spending all one's energy in seeking His good pleasures. Speak, sending all one's energy and seeking his good pleasures, making seeking the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This becomes the purpose of a person's life. The yakin gives all those things that people like to talk about, vision, mission, because yakin gives passion. When you have passion, you don't need anybody to give you a vision statement and a mission statement, because you have your own passion. It's only, again, people who are lacking passion and meaning need to go through that corporate exercise of give me a vision and give me a mission. Right? So deen gives passion, deen gives meaning. When a, but when, when a person has yaqeen. Then Imam al-Hadar concludes this sentence, and in sum, to conclude, al-yaqeenu aslul imani. But actually, yaqeen is the asl, the core, the root, the reality of imam. Wasair maqama. And yaqeen is the asl of all the different maqamat, is what's coming. Maqam means shukr, sabr, all these other things we're going to talk about. Yaqeen is the core, root, asl. Of all of these things. Third, what akhlaq al-mahmuda? Yaqeen is also the asl of all virtuous character and all noble behavior. And wal a'mal saliha and yaqeen is the asl and root of all good acts and all virtuous deeds. So, what is our deen other than this? Our deen is iman, akhlaq, and a'mal. And he's saying that yaqeen is the core and the root for all of these. Three things. Then, he says, وَالْأَخْلَاقُ وَالْأَعْمَالُ تَابِعَةٌ لِلْيَكِينِ قُوَّةً وَذُعْفًا So, akhlaq and a'mal are dependent on yakin in their strength and weakness. If the yakin is strong, your a'mal and akhlaq will be strong. If yakin is weak, the a'mal and akhlaq will be weak. So in simple English, virtues and actions are stronger, weak, sound or unsound, according to the strength or otherwise of certainty. And Luqman salami quotes the saying of Luqman al-Hakim, the wise one, that action is possible only in the presence of yaqeen. A servant acts in obedience only to the extent that they have certainty. And a person becomes neglectful in their a'mal and actions 
only when their certainty diminishes. Only when their certainty diminishes. The same thing that he was mentioning. And then he quotes the hadith of Nabi Akareem, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, al-yaqeenu kullu. That certainty means having all of iman. When a person says all the aspects of iman, all of the details of iman, all of the strength of iman, then they have attained all of certainty. So the whole of faith is certainty. You can also put it the other way. Certainty is when you have acquired the whole of faith. Then he mentions that Allah SWT in the Quran has mentioned three aspects, the Ahlul Iman, three aspects of believers in terms of their yaqeen. So believers have three darajat in terms of yaqeen. The first, the first is those who are known as Ashabul Yameen. Ashabul Yameen, as I mentioned in the Quran, that those are the people of the right, right side or the right hand. And one meaning of this is obviously they will get their book of deeds as mentioned in a sahih that the person who is virtuous and muttaqi and saleh and to whom Allah Ta'ala destined Jannah, then they will be given the book of deeds in their right hand on the day of judgment. Alright? So that is the first level of the people who have yaqeen. I mean, obviously there may be many many, many like me who don't even have yaqeen yet. You're still in danger. Are we going to be Ashab al-Yameen or Ashab al-Shamal? That they are those who attain this level of yaqeen and thereby they become ashabul yameen. And so they have that firm belief. But he mentions an interesting thing about them. They have a firm belief, but there's a possibility. Ma imkan. Imkan tashakkuki tazanzuli. So it means that there's a slight possibility that they may have some doubt. Or that their certainty, not their iman al-tama, that their certainty, their yaqeen, it'll be very clear, it's not saying that their iman can have a doubt. They have yaqeen, but there's a chance that sometimes there may be a doubt in their yaqeen, or tazalzo, there may be a little hmm, shivering, a little uh, shaking, right? Their yaqeen might have a doubt or become shaky under certain circumstances under certain circumstances. And what it means basically in Arabic, it means that it won't last. So they can have a temporary doubt or temporary shakiness in their yaqeen due to certain circumstances, but then they come out of that and they return back on their yaqeen. So he says, uh, and this is really uh, what uh, is iman. Second, second darja, and that is the darja of the muqarrabun. So you may remember from Surah Al-Waqiyah also uh, that these Muqarrabeen, As-Sabiqoon, Al-Awwaloon, those were the foremost. The foremost. And foremost means they are even the closest to Allah SWT. Ulaat Al-Muqarrabeen. They are the ones who are near to Allah SWT. They are the ones who the possession of their heart by Iman and it's establishing itself therein, yani in that heart, so firmly that its opposite becomes no longer possible or even imaginable. Possible, no longer possible or even imaginable. In this degree, the unseen becomes as the seen. This is called yaqeen. So he gives this example uh, of yaqeen. What does it mean? It means that they don't have that shak, they don't have that tazalzul, they don't have those doubts, they don't have that shakiness, no matter what the circumstances are. And the yaqeen is so ever-present in them that the absence of yaqeen is no longer possible or imaginable for them. Third, uh, and again, like I told you, because these are run-on sentences, so sometimes when it's parsed out, it's, I would rather say really it's third and fourth, because what he does is he does third. It's hard to explain. I could do it for you on the board. But what he's going to do is going to make a third one, but it's really going to be like a 3A and a 3B. The reason he mentions them together is 3B would not exist without 3A. Let's put it that way. 3B would not exist without 3A, so because its existence is dependent on 3A, he's lumping together as third, but actually in reality you would end up with four darajas. 3A would be the highest, and 3B, then two, then one, if you take it that way. So one was Asabul Yameen, two was Muqarrabeen, 3A is Nabiyyin, the Prophet and Jama'in, and 3B is Siddiqeen, 
Siddiqin are known as the truest followers and truest inheritors of the prophets, such as Sahaba Ikram, radiallahu ta'ala, But when you talk about the yakin of the Sahaba, the yakin of the Sahaba wouldn't exist until you talked about the yakin of Nabi Akram, sallallahu But the Sahaba Ikram are even more than Muqarrabin and even more than Ashab al-Yameen. They're the Siddiqin of this Ummah. Alright? So, now if you translate this in English, then the third is that of the prophets and the Siddiqin. The prophets and the Siddiqin. So here I would rather stick with the Arabic. So it's very clear. Uh, Nabiyin and Siddiqin. Nabiyin and Siddiqin. And for them, the unseen becomes seen. Now for the Nabiyin, that's understood like I told you, they see Allah SWT. That's a different type of Yakin, right? And the Siddiqin are the ones who do Tasdiq of the Anbiyas seeing the unseen. This is what I already explained to you. Right? This is why sometimes when some people, you know, again, the modern philosophically educated university graduate likes to ask this question, that, oh, you know, it is not fair, you know, the Prophet says, he got to see Allah, Allah so obviously he believes. I didn't get to see Allah so long time. I just remember there was a friend of mine in University of Chicago, he said that, uh, <laughs> I mean, don't, you know, technically, you know, technically a person could even say this sentence was covered from him, but he didn't mean it that way. So, people should be calm about these things, especially when they are just utterances of young university youth. So, somebody, there was this discussion that if you could go back in time, who would you be? So, one person said, oh, I would be Abu Bakr, one person said, oh, I would be Umar, right? So, when it went to him, a very sweet fellow, and he didn't mean it in any, but obviously, if you take it literally, it's a deep statement, he said. But he said that if I could go back in time, I would tell the Prophet son that you wait here, and I would go up to the cave at Mount Hira, so I would get the revelation from Allah Ta'ala because I wish I could hear Allah Ta'ala. I mean, he wanted that level of yakin that the Anbiya could have. So that itself is a sweet thing, but you don't want to say that you would have gone back in time, and it doesn't work like that, and it's not that simple, right? But it means that obviously, yes, the Anbiya have a yakin that me and you can never have. Alright? No, no doubt about that. Nabuwa is something unparalleled. Nabuwa is something unique, right? And the yakin that accompanies that is unique. The closest approximation to that is the yakin of the Siddiqin. But how do the Siddiqin become Siddiq? Through Tasdiq of the Anbiya. So their being Siddiq is dependent. Like the greatest example is what we call As-Siddiq al-Akbar. In Sayyidina Abu Bakr, As-Siddiq, Allah ta'ala Alright? So for us, what does that mean? More sunnah, more seerah, more sunnah lifestyle, more sunnah character, more sunnah a'mal, more sunnah akhlaq. That's the way a person becomes siddiq. There's no other meaning to being siddiq other than sunnah and tasdeeq of the anbiya. There's nothing else. To be siddiq doesn't mean you become a saint and you have miracles and you fly in the air or walk on water. Right? So, in that sense, then you would have four. Uh, and then he says that for the Nabiyin, and, and you sort of, again, the transition is very good, but sometimes when you link these things, it's a bit hard to structure English the way Arabic is structured without making the transition bad. Uh, now, for the Nabiyin, they have what is called kashf, that those things become unveiled for them. Anbiya see Allah Subhanahu they see Jannah, they see Jibreel. And for the Siddiqin, what they have is that, like shahada, that ability to witness to those things as what, like exactly the extent of the Sayyidina Al-Ramta said, that were the cover to be revealed, it wouldn't increase me in my yakin anymore. Right to see Jannah, it wouldn't increase me in my yakin anymore. So they reach a level of yakin without seeing it, without seeing it. That's called the Siddiqin. That's called the Siddiqin. All right? Then the very last thing he mentions in this selection, he says, That in every single of these categories, Nabiyin, Siddiqin, Muqarrabin, and Ashab al-Yameen, within them also there are many, many grades. Within them there are many, many grades. Alright? It simply just means that what he's trying to say here is that there's no point of Yaqeen. So obviously as you know, the yaqeen of Sayyidina Rasulullah was greater than the yaqeen of the Anbiya. The yaqeen of Sayyidina Abu Bakr was greater than the yaqeen of the rest of the Siddiqeen. 
Allah knows best now about Mukallabin and Ashabul Yameen. It means that Yakin is differentiated. Now the reason he's telling us that is that look, it's not about huge levels. Because me and you, we can't even think about being Ashabul Yameen, right? But it's about even a dot. Let's get one more dot of Yakin. That's there. Let's get one more step, one more aspect, one more drop of Yakin. That's there. So it's like an endless flow of drops, right? And so a person can get more yakin. A person can and should try to get more yakin. And so one aspect is how now the rest of the book will be about that, trying to build yakin and these amal and akhlaq. But then he ends his very first chapter with the verse from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But actually all of it is going to be due to the fazl of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. All of it is the fazl and karam, generous bounty and grace of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَذَارَكَ فَضْلُ اللَّهِ يُتِّهِ مَنْ يَشَاءُ Allah says in Quran, and this is the fazl of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and He bestows it upon whomsoever He wants. وَاللَّهُ ذُو الْفَضْلِ الْعَظِيمِ But the good news is that Allah ta'ala is of tremendous grace and bounty. Hmm? Allahu Akbar. So this is how He ends His first selection on Yaqib. So we felt it because these are the, we try to let you go by nine fifty nine PM sharp and summer. Hmm? Uh-huh. And because these are nights, you should know this. Jeeva is reading in Sahih Muslim the hadith about these ten days and nights of Allah Kabila. These are blessed days and blessed nights. You should spend every night like you think it's Lail Tukadr. It's been every day like it's Yom Al-Arafah. This is the level of these days and nights. They're most beloved to Allah But sometimes we need some motivation. We need some inspiration. It's not easy to do deen on our own. Alright? So we want you to go. You haven't come here to meet me. These are nights of Ibadah. We also need to be able to have that ability that we want to come and teach you. We want to teach you a class. We want to be able to walk out of class and go home. We want you to walk and go. And consulting and counseling, there's other moments for that. Not in these nights, alright? These are nights of Ibadah. We'll let you go, and inshallah we'll be meeting. Uh, I'd initially told them I would meet every night, and we'll go bragge so just do it on Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday. But I initially told them I wanted to start on Saturday and take you all the way to Friday. Now, given that you're here, hmm? Because my flight is, I am traveling on Saturday. I'm happy to come Monday, Monday, Tuesday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Several of you, enough, half of you will show up tomorrow. Half of you will show up tomorrow. Let's take it. All right. So we'll make it every day Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, inshallah. All right. Those of you who came because it was Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, we'll see you on Monday, Wednesday, Thursday. And those of you who can come on Tuesday and Friday, we'll see you on Tuesday and Friday, inshallah. All right. But these are nights of Ibadah, nights of Ibadah. So, we end at 10, you go home and do even a little bit. It's not necessary, but to go all out. I know you have to wake up and your corporate office doesn't know it's nights of Ibadah. So, right? no problem, go home and do 10 minutes of Ibadah, 20 minutes of Ibadah, do something. Do something in these nights. Turn to Allah in these nights. And as you all know, so many millions of our Ummah, our brethren, mashallah, they're all there in Makkah Mukarramah. They're in Medina Manawara. Like fours again. Hmm? They're turning to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, making dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, begging of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's why Allah ta'ala made this in our deen for the people to stay back even that these days and nights are blessed so you can tap into that energy. You can be part of that experience. ربنا ظلمنا انفسنا وان لم تغفر لنا وترحمنا لنكونن من الخاسرين يا رب كريم يقين in our heart يقين in our mind يقين through amal يقين through akhlaq يقين through ilm يا رب كريم we want to have most and most يقين on you يقين on نبي كريم صلى الله عليه وسلم يقين in our deen يا رب كريم يا رب كريم protect us from the yaqeen of the nafs 
protect us from yakin of dunya, protect us from yakin on makhluk, and in the name of blessed nights of Zulhijjah, change our hearts once and for all, inspire our hearts once and for all, and in the name of ask that you accept the hajj of all the Pajaji Karam, all of those who are present this year, anyone who ever made hajj in the past, all of those who make hajj in the future, Ya Rabbi Kareem, we ask you your karam and fuzzle, your zulfadl adeem, to get us tawfiq to make hajj over and over again, to get us ziyara karameen sharifeen over and over again, except every dog, every haji, every tawbah of every haji, every zikr of every haji, every salah of every haji, every lamha, every moment of them, Ya Rabbi, and bless us as well, Ya Rabbi Kareem, grant us the mercies of al-arafat, grant us the mercies of mina, grant us the mercies of muzdalafa, grant the Marafar Makkah Makarama, Kantis the Keen, Yakin of Madina Manawala, Yer and Bikrim, it is easier for you, Yaram, you are the Fuddin Adim, you are the distributor of Fuzzle, the sender of Fuzzle, adorn our hearts, Yaram, cast your gaze on our hearts, Yer and Bikrim, and I ask that you send your special Ajur and Thawab on Imam Hadad, on the translator of this text, on all of those Yaram who have ever learnt and taught this text, but make us Khalas in our Nia, our intention is you, Yaram, grant us our Murad. Grant us our niyyah, grant us your kurm, ya Rabbi Kareem. Make us from your muqaddabeen, make us from the siddiqeen, make us from the ashabul meen. Ya Allah, ya Rabbi Kareem. Rabbana takambal minna innaka anta sameeul alim. Watumbu alayna innaka anta tawabul raheem. Wa sallallahu ta'ala ala habibihi Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'een. Bi rahmatika ya rahmatullahi